Welcome to The Application, the go-to, how-to podcast for higher education marketers. I'm your host, Allison Tercio, Assistant Vice President of Enrollment and Marketing at Siena College. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, this podcast is packed with practical tips and actionable advice to help you elevate your marketing game. In each snackable episode, we bring in experts to share their insights and experience on the topics that matter most to you. Got a question or idea you'd like us to cover? Email team at enrollify.org or reach out to me on Twitter or LinkedIn. The application is part of the Enrollify Podcast Network. And if you like this show, you'll definitely want to check out our other higher ed focused podcasts on admissions, tech, marketing, and more. They're packed with stories, ideas, and tools to help you be the best in your field. All right, it's time for the show. I'm really excited for this episode. We have a very special guest with us, Dr. Latanya LTV Smiles, truly a trailblazer in higher ed for first gen and adult learners and more. Dr. LT joins us to discuss a topic that's increasingly important for colleges and universities and us as marketers, stop out students. LT, welcome to the show. Allison, it is such a pleasure to be here today. Greetings from the San Francisco Bay Area. Awesome. Greetings from me, too, in Albany, New York. So we're on opposite sides of the country, and I bet we have opposite weather today. (laughs) (laughs) Possibly. (laughs) So can you start out by sharing a bit about your background and your journey in higher ed? Because I know your personal journey plays into the passion you have about students and these different types of audiences in in those student groups. You're absolutely right. And I'll go chronologically backwards, but I'll do it quickly. I'm currently Director of University Partnerships at REUP Education, and we'll talk more about that, but our organization is focused on adult learners and stop-out students. But before that, I was a Dean of Student Affairs at a a small private school here in the Bay Area. Most of my experience has been in in higher ed, either as a part-time faculty or an administrator, but I would say one of my, the most salient identity that I have is being a first generation college graduate. So yay for that. And I am originally from the Washington DC area. And as is common for many first gen students, I was very motivated and very excited to start college, but I also didn't know what I didn't know. Right. My mom was super supportive, but For me, I ended up transferring not just once, but two times before I finally graduated from my the third institution that I attended. So all of those things play a part and a role in how I think about the work that I do today. Now, a lot of times I have hired marketers on this podcast, but one of my favorite things is to have people who aren't the marketers on this podcast, because it's really important for us to hear from those who are working closest with students and with different um, perspectives on the different kinds of student journeys they are, because no student's journey is the same. And it's so clear that your personal experiences have deeply influenced your professional journey. Can you tell us a bit more about what is a stop out student and what are some of the common 
challenges that they face. Yeah. So I'll just locate myself right into this. At one of those institutions, I faced a, what? oh my gosh, Allison, felt like an insurmountable financial burden. It was $1,100, my friend. But at the time it felt huge, right? And so I stopped out. It meant that I could no longer could stay at that institution. I couldn't complete my degree there, right? I literally had to stop going to class, stop taking classes. I worked full time. I did not see a pathway toward completion there. So I ended up, I got married and eventually found my way back to school, but not back to that institution. I would have loved to have stayed at that institution. I ended ended up going somewhere else. You know, what we're seeing is that's very common now. So the language that often is used as like some credential, no degree population, right? Yes. And it's growing. It's like 40 million, right? <laughs> and so that, like I said, informs a lot of the work that I do. What what that means though, the challenges you asked about that, that many students face, and there's going to be a variety. So I mentioned financial, but oftentimes this is what I say to folks, if someone has stopped out, it's for some real adult-like reasons, right? And so real. real reasons. So that means that school often, they may want to continue, but it slides down the priority list, right? Because they are caregivers, whether it's their own family or children or their parents or, you know, et cetera. Um, and then what we're, and I'm, Allison, I know you're seeing this too, mental health reasons as well. And also just sort of like life balance. So all of these, and it could be, intersection of those things, right? These are the things that that population typically is facing right now. And I was part of that group back in the 90s. And and there's still such a huge and important, significant group for us to be thinking about as higher ed marketers. Can you share some success stories about these experiences where it gets turned around and the student reengages and they're able to successfully complete their degree. What's that like? Yeah, well, th- I'm very fortunate to be considered a success story, right? But I would say it was by happenstance that, you know, someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, oh, L- Latanya or LT, you really should go back to school and help me find that pathway. We don't want to leave it to chance, right? That's why a company like, an uh, organization like REUP is so important because it's, it partners with the institution to help them find and re-engage and re-enroll those students. One of the things I really greatly appreciate about REUP is that I'm a stop out student. Many of our staff, including our CEO, has this experience. Like she was a first gen student. She stopped out. And I think that ethos really informs the work that we do. So ReUp is eight years old. So there are a number of success stories. And so I'll just pick one. Unfortunately, in my role, I don't get to work directly with the students. But one of the stories that resonates with me is from this woman named Adrienne, who was at Penn West in, in, in Pennsylvania. And Adrienne's story is that she from high school, went to community college, took some courses, became pregnant and decided to pause her career, right? And so she didn't go back to school for 10 years. I think when she first started, she was interested in criminal justice or something like that. But then she wanted, you know, she raised her family. So she went back at, after 10 years. She was thinking about an English major, but then felt like that wasn't right for her either, right? Like, what is it? For her, she was wondering, well, what can I do with this? That was a very common question. So she paused again, 
right? And and then at some point where the life balance started to even out a bit and her children were of school age, then she went back and started like focusing on herself and thinking about, wow, what is my true calling? And so ultimately with the help of a success coach, right, which was like, hey, um, hey, uh, Adrian, what is it that you want to do right now? Adrian decided to focus on child care and, and education, like that felt more passionate. The reason why I bring her up, not because it's an extraordinary story, but because it's so common, right? Yeah. <laughs> that how many of us don't know what we want to do? I think it's a very hidden narrative. Well, what what we often see, especially around the time of like the lists that are coming out right now, I'm totally blanking on the, the rankings that are coming out, right? Rankings are based on like four and six year degrees. What we know is that it's so common for people not to take six years. People swirl in and out. Adrian swirled in and out. But one of the quotes that she said is that, I love it. Going back to school was always on her bucket list. And we have to remember that. It might not be within that four-year time frame, but it's there in the back of her mind. So I love the just sort of everydayness, the pedestrianness of that particular story. And that's what we have to keep in mind. And it's interesting because it was multiple times back and forth. So I think a lot of times when we picture the stop out, it's they stopped out, they left for a few years to do these things, raise family, launch their career, and then they come back and that's it. They come back and they finish, but that's not necessarily, it's not that straight. Absolutely not. Like even, like I said, in my story, I went to three different schools in and out. Like that swirling is very common. What are some effective approaches from the university and college side that we can take to re-engage these stopout students and also provide them with the support and the resources and the experience that those students need? Because I have to think they have different needs than other students. Yeah. And we number one is to acknowledge that they have different needs, right? I love the work that's happening with APLU and specifically their Urban Adult Learner Institute that is helping institutions like with some specifics. So when you ask about re-engaging, you have to keep in mind, like think of Adrian's story that I mentioned or my story, that here she is juggling young people and she's working so you're going to have to capture their attention, but also show what is the ROI. You know, oftentimes when we're communicating with first-time, full-time freshmen, the language and the marketing is about exploration, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and passion and all those types of things. Not to say that stopped-out students or adult learners don't have those things, but the priority is very different. So we have to keep in mind, like, what the context is. And also, I didn't say this, there has to be a level of patience on the part of the institution. So what we're seeing is that it's if you're a full-time, first-time full-time freshman, that traditional age of 18, you're anticipating and waiting to hear back from, from an institution so that you might ping them and they'll respond right away. Someone else is going to take a number of touch points to get them to re-engage. And so I totally understand that from an institution's perspective, it could feel like the ROI is low, 
it can feel like that, right? Because they're like, they're not turning around very quickly. Well, it's a long term. It's a hundred percent. Absolutely. So those are like generally things that people should be aware of before they are approaching these learners, right? The same things that interest someone right out of high school, whether it's sports or athletics or, or what have you, is just going to feel really different for an adult learner who's looking for a credential, looking for a degree, maybe, you know, a lifestyle change. So what I'm hearing you say is that, one, we need to understand that audience because they're not the same as some of our other audiences. And number two, we have to play that long game and keep the relationship open, perhaps without expectation and without time, but with patience. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And what we hear from um, the students that we do reach out to is that they honestly, they feel forgotten. Right. Because all of a sudden no one's in touch with you. That's right. Right. If you oh, you've you've fallen off our six year graduation rate radar, then no one's paying attention to you anymore. And I'll again using myself as an example, I really would have loved for my the institution that I stopped out of, I really wish they had reached back out to me. And now I ended up transferring. You know, I'm proud University of Maryland alum. However, it could have played out very differently. Well, it happened again. Prospect Paul is excited about attending your institution, but is getting constantly confused by all of the information and tasks he needs to complete to enroll, creating friction and even worse, melt. You knew this was going to happen again, which is why you've been flagging the need for a come to Jesus meeting with leadership from marketing, admissions, and IT to audit the digital experience for prospective students. Here's the problem. You're not going to convince Mark from marketing to let go of his marketing automation software. Adriana from admissions just got set up with her new CRM. And Isabel from IT is still working through ticket requests from last Christmas. But what if you could come to the table with a solution that didn't require anyone to let go of their software, while at the same time ensuring a frictionless experience for prospects and current students alike? Well, guess what? Today is your lucky day. Meet Pathify, an innovative higher ed engagement hub that puts students at the center of their college journey. Pathify sits at the center of your school's digital ecosystem, becoming the single user experience interface tying together all systems, content, and communications. Their engagement hub elevates the information that matters most and pushes symptoms like the SIS behind the scenes where they belong making it simpler for students to discover and engage with the opportunities your institution provides at every step of their journey, from prospect to alumni. What's even better, Pathify has a mobile experience that provides 100% parity with the responsive web app, so your campus app is always in sync. Pathify is a platform that every stakeholder on campus, from marketing to admissions to student affairs to IT and more, can get equally excited about. Learn more about how Pathify is uniting strategic units across campus and bettering the entire student experience by visiting pathify.com. And be sure to tell them that Allison from the application sent you their way. Yeah, and on the college side, it might feel like the person's uninterested. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's still important for us to keep that door open and keep that relationship open for when the person becomes ready. 
Mm-hmm. Now, thinking about all of that, what role do you think marketers should play in this? My marketing friends, it, I mean, you're crucial. And I would say everyone needs to think of themselves <laughs> as a mark. Whether you have marketing in your title or not, you have to think like a marketer in terms of like the outreach, the design, like all aspects of marketing are really crucial. Like I said before, you really need to think about the value add and get right to it. What do I mean by that? Like, like I said, our, if we're talking about a stopped out population and we know things are changing on our campus, you have to communicate what those changes are. Are what? How many online programs are you offering? That's what people are looking for, right? Flexibility. I mentioned degrees, whether it's credentials or certificates. These are the types of things that this population is looking out for. What are your current mental health resources, telehealth? All those things need to be front and center and not buried on your website where you're just showing pictures of people sitting on grass, right? No, people, they need more than that. And they also need very plain language in order to, if you're scrolling on your phone, you're hanging out with your kid and you're just looking at your phone on what's online, then it needs to be really punchy. Yeah, that makes sense. They're going to be scanning. They're scanning. They're not going to be reading. No. (laughs) It's different than oftentimes we see and, you know, I've got adult age children. So I remember I spent a lot of time on the website <laughs> looking at the schools that they were interested in. So I was more inclined to read, even if my 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 own children were not. But when we're talking about, again, someone who's an adult learner, they're going through much more quickly, I would say. Yeah, I really like what your advice is here, because uh, one, keeping it simple is honestly, across all audiences, it's the hardest thing to do is to keep it simple, but we want to be especially attentive here, but also not take for granted that people just know we've added these new programs and we've added these new support services and things like that. We have to be intentional about informing this audience on those transformations on our campuses. Absolutely. Don't take it for granted. Yeah. It's just hard because some when you're on the campus, you think, well, of course everyone knows, right? Yeah, we added criminal justice. Yes, we added this online graduate certificate program, but we really have to make sure it's not, we're not letting our own personal experience and our own knowledge, because it's very deep when you're at an institution, cloud our assumptions about what other people understand and know. What you're describing is a a common term that I have gravitated toward, and that's the hidden curriculum, right? That we don't know what we, uh, you know what I mean? It's it's presumptive in terms of what people know and recognize and all those types of things. So we have to pause and, and think of, okay, how do we know this? How do we communicate that to others? One way to address that though, is to have students, like the population you're trying to reach, be involved in that process. Have them, like when we talk about, let's say, web audits or things or mark or reviews of marketing materials, make sure it's not just the the current staff, but have the the student population actually review it. I often say, you know, they have way better ideas. I get a lot of credit for ideas that students really came up with. Oh, yeah. And my favorite thing is to, I sent, give everything to students. I let them look at our letters that we send out when a student gets admitted. I mean, really everything. Most people will think social media. Oh, that I'll go is the go-to thing for students. That's their thing. Oh, there's everything is their thing. They give great feedback on everything. I'm going to quote you forever. 
everything is their thing, right? We don't we don't need to relegate them to TikTok and Instagram, right? No, absolutely not at all. Mm-hmm. I agree. Now, are there technologies or tools that you've seen be helpful in colleges and universities who are trying to engage the step out students? Okay, I will say the first tool that comes to mind is patience, but then (laughs) (laughs) that's definitely a tool. Yes, and what we find is honestly a multi prong approach, right? It's not just one thing. Some people, and this is what I hear, right? Some people prefer the phone calls, and the phone calls are from human beings, right? Some people prefer chat features, text messages. It's got to be multi prong approach, and oftentimes, and the students will let you know like what they prefer, but and then even like the old school mailing campaign, but multiple ways to reach it. And of course, we're we're seeing you know some radio ads and things like that. I'm I, I don't hear students loving those necessarily, but they're not bad per se. But honestly, Allison, like what we're seeing, I kid you not almost 50 touch points before they enroll before they enroll right and it's it's, yes and then you have to keep them correct yeah i keep them too wow that is really interesting and that's that's a lot of work so i'm not saying (laughs) i'm gonna be honest it is a lot of work this is why people you know ask for help to, to do this um but if it's a priority then this is what i'm just saying this is what it's going to take Yeah, but the work is well worth it. Can you share some of the data or anecdotes that highlight the impact of focusing on step-out programs, the impact on student success, the institutional outcomes? Tell us about it. Yeah, okay, so let's talk about who's in this population, right? It's a heterogeneous population when we're talking about step-out and adult learners. Of course, it's gonna cross racial lines, but but we do see overall more likely the population are going to be folks, uh, people of color. We're talking about folks who are likely to be first-generation college as well, right? And so we're just thinking about it from an equity standpoint. Like, this is really important. Here's what we know, Allison. If we do nothing, I believe less than 2%, less than 2% will return on their own. So intentionality is key. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I'm thinking of it just more from a a big macro standpoint that even if moving the needle (laughs) one percentage point makes a huge difference when we're already talking about less than 2% to to begin with. My, My hope is that beyond sort of like wanting to meet enrollment numbers that people really tap into the equity component of addressing stopped out students? Well, I haven't yet come across a college or university that isn't focused on increasing diversity and representation in their student population. And we know that the we can't birth 16-year-olds, so we know that the number of students graduating high school are going to go down. So when we're trying to shape and have more diversity, there's only so much we can do with the traditionally aged side of this. So this seems right for opportunity, one, for the colleges to meet their missions and what they're trying to do with enrollment in terms of diversity, but also serve the public good. A hundred percent. And this is one of the things I say, too. These are your students. (laughs) These are students who started somewhere. And by the way, you spent a lot of time and money to get them to start. 
Let's talk about that. That's right. <laughs> Your students that had hope and had their own goals. And so now it's a matter of bringing them back. Ideally, of course, we would love for them, if that's their desire, to return to their home institution. Sometimes that doesn't happen, right? You know, I want to layer in another thing, too, because you mentioned diversity. The fact of the matter is um, the Supreme Court case on affirmative action is real and is impacting our institutions. And people are, you know, using so many different um, synonyms <laughs> for, for diversity, and but looking for diversity in a number of ways. This is a population that's sitting right there. Overwhelmingly Black and Latinx learners are found in that stop out population. Again, you'll see it across racial lines, but you see great disparities, especially among Black students. I think I think forty percent don't like to have a, a stop out. Like that's that's shameful. Number one, but I am a glass half full person and say let's look at the opportunity there. But as you have said, it requires so much more thoughtfulness and intentionality, and like I said, a lot of patience to do this work too. Yeah, and even just the diversity of age too. I have had adult learners in my classroom. I bet you have too when you've been a professor. And it brings such a great new perspective. And I know that the traditionally aged students learn a lot by having one of them in the classroom too. So there's wins all around. I, I don't see a losing proposition here. You know, I'm a first generation college student. I'm so proud to say that my mom was the second in my family to go to college. And so my mom Ooh, in I her 40s, in her 40s, my mom, my goodness, she swirled in and out. She went to community college for years and she was a veteran. And after I completed my degree, she went and she just talked about how important it was and how she felt like the institution that was reaching her understood her experience, right? And so what she also mentioned was kind of like this underground communication among adult learners, like, oh, like she heard about her school from another adult learner. Oh, word of mouth. The word of mouth mouth is critical. We have to remember that too. What trends or innovations do you see shaping the future of stopout programs in higher ed? Mm, again, I'll take it from a high level as opposed to like institutional level. The the trend of uh, en- enrollment cliff is, is coming. Yeah. Well. <laughs> cannot be ignored (laughs) cannot be ignored and people are going to have to reckon with this right there there's no cliff for this audience this audience is not jumping off a cliff falling (laughs) off a cliff this this audience is growing this is the opposite of the enrollment cliff this is the opposite and when you ask what's shaping the future really this is shaping the future it's only a matter of time there there's going to be as always like a one percent of institutions that don't aren't going to deal with this or won't deal with this, but that's not the majority of institutions. Yeah. No, Harvard's not worried about it. They're not worried about it. Right. Right. We like two, and this is touching two year and four year institutions. That's why it, it's so critical. Right. But again, it goes back to the promise that we made and is that the heart of the public good is why we need to be focused, focused on this. And it'll be interesting to see what innovations come about, but I think what I'm noticing Number one, it starts with the with marketing. I'm not going to lie. It's really starting with marketing and rethinking how we reach this population of students because we have to accept and acknowledge that they are different, right? And already that's going to make some changes in, in terms of approach. Speaking of getting started, I like to end my podcasts with a question that's really actionable for our listeners. What's the first step 
that they should take after listening to this podcast? We've sold them that stop arts are an important audience. I have no doubt. So what should be their first step, even if it's something small? Yeah, well, find out who your stop out students are. Sit down with institutional research and look at the raw numbers. That's going to tell you something. And beyond that, even more than that, look at those beyond three semesters out. Those folks who stopped out, you know, a year ago or something like that, they will likely, they can find their way back. Look at those numbers beyond, go farther farther than that, right? I think you will be surprised. I remember speaking with one institution. I think the estimate they had, Allison, was like 15 to 20,000 stopouts. And then they ran the numbers, 38,000 stopouts that they had. And they were like, wow. And this, they're already yours. They're, they were <laughs> one part of your community. 100%. So please, number one, sit down with institutional research and find out who your stopouts are and go from there. Thank you so much, LT, for sharing your expertise and your passion for supporting stopout students. It really makes a difference. It's a pleasure. And to our listeners, thanks for joining. One, one last thing, LT. If our listeners want to connect with you, how should they connect with you? I'm so easily found on LinkedIn. (laughs) Yeah, LinkedIn's the place to be. LinkedIn is the place to be. The party is on LinkedIn. I'm there and I can also share my contact information with you if they want to connect that. Yeah, we'll have it in the show. We'll have your contact information in the show notes. So if anyone's listening right now, you can also go to the show notes and you'll be able to connect with LT and to get great insights and advice from experts like Dr. Reese Miles moving forward, don't forget to subscribe to the application. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify Podcast Network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcasts.enrollify.org.